open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Going to be reading some verses to you, and then we're going to jump right in it. We've been doing a series um, called What's Next Papa? And, uh, and so we're going to jump into basically part five of this. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about this, and my heart is stirred up. What an amazing time of worship. Can we thank God for our worship team and thank God for his presence? Amen. Hallelujah. I love that we have a worshiping church, you know, even when one of the air conditioning units is out. Um, I, be, I t- was texting the guy uh, that, uh, that's going to come look at it. And so I'm like, hey, we got a room full and we're hot. So please help us. And uh, so that'll be nice when we get that fixed. Amen. Um, so we're going to be reading from a, a familiar text to some of you. Uh, but this is where Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy, this, they often will call the, the letters to Timothy the pastoral epistles. Um, but that's biblically inaccurate because it never calls Timothy a pastor. The Bible actually calls him an apostle. And so he was the overseer or the head elder or the apostle of the church of Ephesus. Uh, the book of Ephesians is so rich in theology and you can, you can see uh, not only from reading the book of Acts and understanding church history that Paul had a very close connection with the church. And one of the reasons is because the, the overseer of the church was his spiritual son. And, and these few verses we're going to jump into, um, we're going to talk about this, uh, these words of life that Paul gives to his spiritual son and we're going to glean from them and how God is speaking to us today. Sound good? Uh, so verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, from the Passion Translation, because we are so passionate. Amen. Uh, do we have any fans to pass out in here? Uh, and do we have any volunteers to come up and just, like, do this the whole time I'm preaching? No, I'm just playing. Uh, I'm good. Oh, the cards. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, the cards. Come on, somebody. Are you registered? Get registered. Um, Okay, so let's read. Y'all ready? 2 Timothy chapter 1 from the Passion Translation, starting at the beginning. From Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ the Messiah, appointed by God's pleasure, God's will, to announce the wonderful promise of life found in Jesus, the anointed Messiah. Verse 2, my beloved son, will you say my beloved son? I pray for a greater release of God's grace, love, and total well-being to flow into your life from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that I've been called to serve the God of my fathers with a clean conscience. Night and day I pray for you, thanking God for your life. I know that you've wept wept for me, your spiritual father, and your tears are dear to me. I can't wait to see you again. I'm filled with joy as I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line. It began with your grandmother, Lois. Let's just do a little praise break for praying grandmas. Come on, somebody. Are you thankful for praying grandmas? Anybody have a praying grandma? That's why you went to church and got saved? Raise your hand if that's you. Or a praying mama? Come on, somebody. (laughs) And then he goes on, he says, who also passed it down to your dear mother, Eunice, And it's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. Verse six, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flame. Would you say that with me? Say fan into flame and rekindle, say rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Can you say amen? Pray with me real quick, all right? Father, thank you for the gathering of the saints. And we are not just a gathering. We are becoming an assembled army. And we join our hearts to hear from heaven. So Lord, thank you for this time I get to share your word. Not only do I pray that you would speak through me, but I pray that you'd give every one of us hearing ears to what you're saying to us individually and as a church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you just shout out amen? Amen. amen. I'm going to take a drink of water. Y'all can do the same if you have coffee and water. 
Just let's cheers right now. Cheers to the 11 a.m. service and the presence of God. Amen. Oh, people are actually cheering. Oh, that's beautiful. It's my birthday. Well, not yet, but how many of you take advantage of your birthday and have a birthday week, birthday month, right? Last week, I'm like, honey, it's my birthday, so I want to take you on a date. She's like, it's not your birthday. I'm like, it's my birthday. It's close enough. <laughs> and uh, my wife was actually supposed to preach, and, um, and then she's like, well, honey, why don't you preach? It's your birthday, and then you can preach how you want to. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm always a little feisty on my birthday. But how many can just, I'm going to put my wife on the spot again. I did this first service. How many really enjoy when my wife shares and imparts? Come on. So we're going to take a congregational vote in the next month. Who says my wife preaches at least one of those Sundays? Raise your hand. It's a unanimous decision. I, it was probably like almost 100% both services. What can I say, honey? And if you didn't raise your hand, I knew in your heart you were raising your hand in your heart, the hand of your heart. Amen. Like we do that in worship, right? Like let's worship the Lord. Lift your hands. I'm lifting my hands in my heart. Whatever, dude. You're just lazy. No, <laughs> So I am, uh, I'm really excited about this because I think we are moving in a powerful direction as a church community. Some of you are newer to the community. Some of you have been here for years and you sense not only the momentum, you sense the stirring, you sense the increase, you see the increase, you see what's happening, you hear what God is speaking, you're praying what you feel like the Lord is declaring. And I think there's a lot in this text that we can glean from into what we're a part of and where we are headed. And this is going to be one of those words that, you know, it might sting a little bit, but how many know that the Bible teaches us that we are to be equipped for the work of the ministry? The word equipped sounds nice, like I want to be equipped, but it's not always a motivational speak, speech or inspirational speech, equipping actually denotes in the Greek, the word equip in Ephesians 4, setting a bone back into place. So how many are ready to receive a little chiropractic adjustment from Jesus? Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for alignment. And so it's one of those words, but it's going to be fun. First thing I want to point out, a couple things in the text here. And I want to talk about the heartbeat of our church. Some of you know the heartbeat of our church. Some of you know the DNA of our church. How many know that you have a physical DNA? right? Uh, you look like your parents, you know, and there's uh, similarities between, th you, we imitate our parents, the people around us, and our DNA determines how we express, how we, you know, like uh, certain ways that we do things. Um, sometimes there are unhealthy patterns or bends that really we need to realize that, hey, that's not who we are in God, and so we have to unlearn some of those toxic things. How many can say amen? And, and now I want to just say this. I want to make it real clear. In the Old Testament, you do see something called a generational curse. But how many know in Christ, we're part of a new and better covenant, and he was a curse for us. Therefore, there's no generational curse in Christ. So if you're in Christ, you're generationally blessed, not cursed. We like to make excuses for our issues, and that's one of them. Well, I just have a generational curse in my life. No, stop it. That's not who you are. But there are, there are things that sometimes we do, and it's a part of our DNA, patterns, things that we say. Um, and, and then there's also our spiritual DNA. How many know that your spiritual DNA is formed by various things? Church you're a part of, leaders, mentors, friends, teachers you listen to, parents, a tradition you grew up in, your spiritual DNA is formed by that. Now, how many know some of our spiritual DNA um, could be completely removed and uprooted and we can get it replaced with fresh healing waters, amen? Like, I don't know about you, but there was times that I used to listen to messages that were kind of toxic and they painted a picture of God that I don't see in the life of Jesus or the scriptures, and so how many know that our spiritual DNA is very important? Now, your personality, though, is connected to that. And when you became a Christian, God didn't all of a sudden want none of your personality in existence. He actually just removed your sin, 
and the lies and says, okay, now you're free. And now I want your real personality to come alive. It's never God's will to dumb down who you are. We have really bad theology and unscriptural teaching on this that we have to just break. Well, the Bible says that I have to die daily. Where does it say that? And you're talking about when Paul said that in the letter to the Corinth church because it's quoted out of context. Well, what was he talking about? He said, I die daily. He's talking about crucifying his flesh. No, he wasn't. He was talking about facing persecution daily. Study it yourself and you'll realize that we have adapted and then we have taken certain verses and just put our own thoughts and ideas. That's called eisegesis. But if we exegete the scripture and interpret it for what it really is saying, we would know that Paul's not talking about dying to himself. Now, there's something that we die to, selfishness, or sometimes our reputation. Pick up your cross, follow me. Jesus is talking about the cross. He's talking about, hey, you're going to have to, you're going to have to identify with what I'm going through. You're going to have to bear this thing with me. I mean, how many know the disciples are persecuted? They were, they gave their life for their faith. But how many know when you're saved, God doesn't want your personality to die? Actually, it's a, it's a tricky thing because you see this, it's like, well, you know, more of you and, and less of me, Lord. Well, that's John 3.30. That was the prayer of John the Baptist, who was the last old covenant prophet. And it's because his ministry was decreasing as Jesus's was increasing. So don't take a prayer of somebody that's not you and apply it to your life because our theology's bad. God wants all of you to come alive in all of him. Now, in, in Romans 6, yeah, it says that we have died in Christ, but that's the old man. Say old man or old woman, whatever you want to. The old identity. That old identity's dead. Remember Travis and I, we did the, the teaching, the water baptism teaching. Read it in the message. It will rock your world. Romans 6. Romans 6 says that our old man was crucified with Christ. We identify that in baptism, but it doesn't stop there. When we come out of the waters, we come out in newness of life. God doesn't want you dead. He wants you alive. You were crucified with Christ, past tense. And we, some, for some reason, think it's our job to keep doing this. No, we just receive and trust in Jesus and what he did. And we find ourselves coming fully alive in God. And our personality, our DNA, who we are, comes alive in that. And our spiritual DNA is connected to that. And I believe Paul, I could really teach a lot on this and I think it'd be fun to dig deeper into it, but I'm not gonna go there right now because it's kind of hot in here and I don't wanna let you go. And football season's starting soon, so I wanna get in the groove of releasing you on time. How many can say amen? <laughs> My wife can say amen. She loves, she loves football. Come on, somebody. I just wanna play football. Come on, somebody. So I... I feel like it's important that we talk about this as a church because sometimes we over-compartmentalize our personality, our spiritual DNA and all this. Now listen, God wants who you are in him to come fully alive. When we say things like, you know, I just have to die to self. No, you don't die to who you are. You die to selfishness. But one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. That tells me that the Holy Spirit helps you be you. You know, it's interesting because... If we think this way, we end up being very dull, very somber and stoic. And then we almost draw a line in the sand and say, well, I don't want to be too emotional because that's emotionalism. Or when God wired us to express ourselves with emotions, not to be controlled or ruled by them, right? But we have emotions and and sometimes we can end up, and what we're really doing is like, how many have ever seen this? It's like the, the classic evangelist that thinks this way. I've been there, okay? So I can say this. Would you like to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Like, not your Jesus, bro. You're boring. <laughs> Hello? How many know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Come on, faithfulness or meekness, self-control against such there's no law. Like God wants to manifest joy unspeakable and full of glory. No wonder sometimes our evangelism is awful. Because we're dumbing down our personality because we believed a lie that God wants our personality to die. No, he just wants the sinfulness away and he's taken that away in Jesus. Now he wants you to come fully alive. 
And what I see in here is Paul saying, you're my beloved son. You know that you're a part of a house that will constantly hear me and consistently resound the voice from heaven that you are a beloved child of the father. And when you know that, it shapes your identity. Then you know who you are and you can become and walk in what God has called you to walk in. But so many times because we dumb down our personality, our, our DNA, all that stuff, we don't even feel gifted. We don't even feel significant. We don't even feel anointed. We don't even know what we're called to do because we're not a preacher. We're not a singer. And many times in the church, our value system is rooted in our gifts instead of our sonship. Therefore, we don't feel significant unless we're preaching, praying, and prophesying. But how many know that we are all significant and a part of a body, but we have to come alive in that. We have to all do our share. We have to all do our part. And I love what Paul, his heart, he's like, I'm praying for you. How many have ever had somebody in your life, or maybe you do right now, somebody maybe who's discipling you and they text you and they're like, hey, you're on my heart, I'm praying for you. And how many can say, man, it was so timely. I was really going through it and I got that text or that message. How many have ever did something bad and then you got that text? And you're like, I hope the Lord didn't show them what I did. Hello? You're all looking at me like, uh, did the Lord show you that I flipped that guy off on the freeway? And you, Paul is saying, I pray for you. And maybe it wasn't necessarily just that, but maybe he's like, listen, I'm praying for you. You're on my heart. He was telling him how loved he was that, hey, I'm your father. I've seen your tears and your tears are dear to me. Oh man, I, I believe that the church is going to rise up to a place where we can weep with one another where we catch one another's tears in him, where we can be the very tears of heaven, the tears of Jesus weeping for one another. You know, like when somebody's going through a hard time, they don't need some fancy theological explanation of why or how something happened that was tragic. How about love and grace and hugs? Come on, somebody. And holy kisses. Rochelle, I'm talking to Rochelle right now. Rochelle, come on, somebody, my wife. How I many know we need affection of the Father in times like that? We need to feel surrounded in love to bear one another's burdens. And he's like, your tears are dear to me. And don't forget your DNA. And listen, he even says your grandma and your mom. He doesn't mention the father. We don't know if the father's alive. We don't know really scripturally. Some say he was a Greek, most likely. And, 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 and so... It's possible that Timothy was kind of an orphan. And, and what, maybe that's one of the reasons Paul just adopted him as a son. What a heartbeat, right? What a, what a powerful way to live your life. I want to live my life that way. I want to adopt thousands and thousands and thousands of sons and daughters my entire life. And I want to be able to raise up sons and daughters to release them to do the same thing. And I believe Paul is, is sharing that with him. He says, don't forget that faith that was in your grandma. Come on, that faith that was in your mama and that faith that is also in you. And then he says something here and it's almost like his tone changes in verse six. I remind you, Timothy, remind you. Actually, he's reminding him to do something that he told him in the first letter he wrote, which we'll jump to in a minute. He says, fan into flame and rekindle the fire inside of you. You know those spiritual gifts that were imparted to you? The spiritual DNA that was imparted to you? Those things need to come alive, Timothy. And he's encouraging him. And God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. How many have ever heard that? And it's like power and love and then sound mind. It's like sound mind. What's that? <laughs> you know that God empowers us to have clarity of thoughts. That's a powerful revelation because sometimes we feel like our thoughts are just like all over the place. Listen, God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity or bondage. Do you know that that word in some translations or in some manuscripts, the word fear, the spirit of fear is actually translated bondage. The same Greek word in Romans eight fifteen. you didn't receive the spirit of bondage to fear but the spirit of adoption where we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, Timothy is reminding him of his own sonship. But the, the idea that our thoughts 
are just uncontrollable. No, that's an orphan way of thinking. You have power over your own thoughts. Well, I just can't stop thinking these depressing thoughts. You have authority over your own thoughts. If we cannot rule over our own emotions, we're like a city without walls is what Proverbs says. Can I encourage you to tell you right now, when you align yourself with who you are in him, your thoughts have to obey Jesus. The Jesus in you, right? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Bible says take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. They have to obey. They have to. We take them captive. Sometimes we can't take things captive because our heart's not captivated. But when your heart is captivated by love and you know who you are, it's easy to rule and reign your emotions. Well, I, I just can't control myself. I got really mad and I just shot them. No, sorry, that's horrible. In my mind, how many have ever done that? Okay, Jesus, let's have a confessional. Like we have, listen, nobody ever makes you angry. We allow ourselves to be ruled by emotions that are toxic and God is saying, God and Paul in the text, he's like, God has given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Clear thoughts. Sound, disciplined mind. Self-control. Amen. All right, I spent way more time than I wanted to on that. But in some manuscripts, the spirit of fear is actually translated the spirit of bondage. It's a different Greek word. The same Greek word that we see in Romans 8.15, that God hasn't given you a spirit of bondage to fear or slavery. Hello? Uh, uh, God has not given you a spirit that makes you think like a victim. Holler at me now. It got real quiet up in here. When we think that way, we're not aligning ourselves with the flow of heaven. I'm not saying that things don't happen to us, but how many know we are victors in Christ? We're blessed, coming in, going out. Come on, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are the lenders, not the borrowers. We're blessed in the field, blessed in the marketplace, blessed. I mean, this is, we have to think this way. We have to think, I'm not a victim. So God hasn't given us that spirit. One thing that he says here that I love is my beloved son, my beloved son. You need to know that you're part of a house that's gonna teach you your beloved, that you're, you're God's favorite. I've said it so many times. I have five kids and I secretly tell all of them, hey, I whisper, you're my favorite. Don't tell the other kids. To this day, Layla still thinks she's the favorite, but she is. Now, Layla responds to me. She says, daddy, you're my favorite. Don't tell the kids. (laughs) So cute. Now, the kids, if they ask and have a conversation, who's dad's favorite? They'll be like, it's Sarah. No, it's Hannah. No, it's Layla. No, it's David. No, it's Josiah. They argue, and I love it. It's like, you can't tell because I favor all of you. How many know God's heart is big enough to favor all of us? And Timothy uses the same words in the Greek that are spoken by the Father in heaven over Jesus in Mark 1.11, Matthew 3.16, and Luke 3.22 my beloved son, that's, he's reverberating and echoing. Listen, can I just encourage all of us as leaders, we should resound the belovedness of the children of God that we are mentoring and discipling. Come on. We should resound how valuable and how loved they are so that they can come fully alive and fan into flame the DNA, the personality and the spiritual things that have been deposited. That's a good word. Come on, if I was on the front row, I'd be standing up like, come on, somebody, preach it, preach it. So now we planted the church 10 years ago. I was gonna tell you some stories, but I'm I'm gonna pass that up because it's hot in here. Um, No, we, we saw miracles, man. I mean, we've seen miracles. We still see miracles. From the very beginning, God's hand has been on us. And we're so thankful, so grateful. I remember one of the first services, we were meeting in a VFW. And uh, there was, I mean, our first service was like a dozen adults, you know. And then we grew. We like doubled the next Sunday. And, uh, and it was just incredible what God was doing. I remember we took an offering. And I wanted to tell Rochelle, like, hey, be intentional with the offering. Because we have to pay the school that we're moving into in advance an entire month. Right, and we got a small church. This is new. We're we're just. I'm hawking my guitars to buy a sound system. Like we're just like we need funds, right? 
My wife, I forgot to tell her. So my wife gets up. She's like, all right, we're going to receive the offering. Lord bless the offering. Amen. And I'm like, oh, nobody's going to give. Like, we need to be more intentional, right? And then it turns out, literally, the offering doubled. And there was more than enough to pay a month in advance for the school. And it was, it was a miracle. That was a real good offering, baby. You didn't even have to say nothing. Come on, somebody. I mean, miracle after miracle. So we... We moved into the school, uh, doing outreaches. God was moving. The harvest was coming in. People are getting saved, healed, delivered. And we wanted a building that we could be in kind of like as a, a location for a little while, you know? So I, I'd felt like God wanted us to go to Water Street. So I'm walking down Water Street. I'm praying. I'm like, God, is this where you want us? And there's this time we're walking down Water Street. I, I see this building. I'm like, hey, this might work for a little while. And uh, the building was not for rent. Um, and there was, you know, no way of telling. And, uh, and so I'm like, Hey, I told our leaders, I'm like, will you pray with me? Let's pray. And, and a week later I walk by, there's a for rent sign in the door. Come on, somebody, somebody just say favor right now. Favor. I remember talking to some pastors and I'm like, yeah, we're trying to get this building on water street. And I'm like, Oh, it'll never happen. They're like, it'll never happen. I'm like, wow. Thanks for the encouragement pastor. And these other pastors says, no, we've tried to get a church uh, use permit on Water Street. They won't allow it. I said, all right. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you don't know the favor on my life. <laughs> Sorry. There was so much blessing from heaven, though, that was, it was almost like it was unstoppable. Like God's just going to bless what we put our hands to. How many of you remember that? Whatever you put your hands to is going to prosper. You believe that about yourself? And so we're walking in this favor, the supernatural grace. And I remember preparing uh, for the city council meeting because we had to get it approved for the city. And we asked this attorney. The attorney uh, was a guy with a very Italian last name who knew everybody. Come on, somebody. Right? A guy who's connected. You know, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. How many love Goodfellas? What? Sorry, there's a lot of cussing and violence in that movie. But... (laughs) Joe Pesci is my favorite. Dude, Joe Pesci in real life is literally that guy. I used to work at the Mirage. And he's like, come on, where am I, where's my luggage? What are you doing? Yeah, bring it over here. And he's like literally commanding the bell. What am I, a clown? Bring, put the freaking luggage in the back. But he didn't say freaking. He said something else. And, but he was kind of like, you know, that's his thing. That's his shtick, right? And... Uh, <laughs> So we asked this attorney, hey, and this guy would have normally charged thousands of dollars to do this to represent us. He said, I'm going to do it pro bono. We're like, what? Favor. We go to the city council meeting. We didn't know this, but the owner also had an attorney. So we didn't just have one attorney represent us. We had two. Somebody say favor, <laughs> double portion. The attorney uh, presents everything. The council has some rebuttals. There's no parking. Their attorney busts out and says, no, we have parking. It's owned by the owner of the building and it's within the proximity it needs to be to get a use permit because when you get a religious assembly, you need lots of parking because a lot of people gathering in one room. Turns out we got a yes, 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 yes. Come on, God was saying yes. And all those yeses aligned with that yes. And God blessed us. Now, we didn't realize this, but there was two prophetic words that were given to our church One of them for years was God's going to raise up an army in Las Vegas. The other one was what happens in Henderson will flood Las Vegas. Now we were standing outside this building, pondering this. And we looked behind the tree at the front of the property at the cross streets of this building. And it was water and army. And we're like, all right, Lord. Don't you love things like that? Prophetic confirmations. Now we're doing this stuff. We're in this building. God's moving. I remember one time we're preaching on grace and the Holy Spirit says, do you really believe what you're preaching? Well, of course I do, Lord. And then we have an altar call and there's literally, I remember it was on my left side, a pimp and a prostitute weeping at the front. And God's like, do you still believe my grace is amazing? Come on. Their lives were completely transformed. They're married with a family now. Come on. I mean, God completely washed them clean. How many are thankful for the power that's in the blood of Jesus? There was a young man who was addicted to meth. And I'm not talking about like, you know, he tried it a few times since he was like 11 or 12 years old. He wasn't just smoking it. He wasn't, he was slamming it into his veins. And this guy was highly addicted 
to, to the point where the, his tolerance, like most meth users would OD on the amount that he was putting into his system. This is true. He comes to church. He's invited by a family member. The reason he came is because I did a funeral for a young man under 30 that died from an overdose. Hey, when you want to love broken people, that's what you got to do. It was totally toxic, totally demonic. This guy, but guess what? We're going to say, Lord, take what the enemy meant for a curse, turn it into a blessing. We're believing God for souls. Guess who showed up to his funeral? A bunch of gang members, drug dealers, drug addicts, pimps, and prostitutes. And over 30 of them received Jesus at this memorial service. And we're doing this stuff. We're like, all right, this is God. God's doing this. This young man was one of those that came. And he comes, he's coming to church, you know. Now listen, he was, he was so messed up on drugs. His wife didn't want to deal with it anymore. She's just done. Uh, his, his daughters barely had a connection with him. His dog didn't even like him. You know when the dog don't like you, you need big time deliverance, right? <laughs> How many have a dog that's just super loving? Like there's certain dogs that are wired. God makes them that way. Like Cocker Spaniels, they're the most loving dogs in the world. I had one one time and his love was annoying. All he would lick me and like, dude, just chill. Can you just sit on my, like, just chill, you know, be a German shepherd or something for a minute. You could drop a rock on this dog's head and it would still love you. Forgive you instantly, right? I've never tried that. I'm just saying it's possible. His dog didn't even like him. He comes to church. He's watching the power of God displayed. He thinks to himself, we find this out later, that ain't real. He ends up compelled by love to come get prayer. People are falling out under the power of God. He comes up. The next thing he knows, he wakes up on the chair. What am I doing on the chair? Got hit by the power of God. He was not clean. That three days, for three days, he said it was just a war. It was hard to sleep. He cold sweats. It was a war, but he didn't touch meth. After the third day, he said it felt like when he got prayed over, he died. But then he came alive three days later with no desire for meth. He got totally set free. Come on. God, we serve a God that loves setting the captives free. Now, I remember early on, the spiritual DNA of our church was forming. Can I just share my heart with you a little bit more? The life. I remember the passion. I remember the love. I remember breaking bread. I remember learning the heart of God for people. I remember the worship. Oh, the worship. The holy moments, the moments where we just, we'd all be on our faces before God. The moments of prayer, we're praying in Henderson and our prayer, our midweek prayer service just exploded. Unsaved people are coming to a prayer gathering where we're all praying in the spirit and they're crying. Why am I crying? Why? What is this peace? What is this love that I feel? God was moving. I remember the serving the other centered this, the self-giving love. People just began to, to serve and to love. I remember the favor, the stories, the, the awakening, the holy moments, the salvations, the, again, the drug addicts, the pimps, the prostitutes, the gang leaders, and, and people just getting saved, healed, and delivered. One time during worship, we're in the presence of God, and there's this lady with arthritis, and, and she has to take multiple pain pills just to function in life. And in the middle of worship, something gets ripped out of her back to where she falls to the ground. She ended up responding to an altar call, got even more prayer, fell out under the power of God. Nobody caught her. Oops. Good job, ushers. Anyways, <laughs> she said that normally any bump like that, to that extent, she would have been in bed for a week. She woke, she got up with no pain no medication, was completely healed in the presence of God. Come on. Father, we believe it. More. Let it increase. Miracle signs and wonders. We've only just begun to see. I'm thinking about our church DNA and coming alive in who we are. And there's three things I want to share with you. I'm going to read Ephesians 4.16 real quick. For his body has been formed in his image, talking about the body of Christ, is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member, say, I'm a member. member. You're a member of the body of Christ. Every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. You see, we think our gifts are for us. They're for everyone else. Our gifts are for other people to be built up. But you have a gift. You're created for something. 
You need to discover what that is so you can walk in it, so you can come alive. God wants you to be a leader. God wants you to be who you're created to be, to be a disciple and to make disciples. Can you say amen? And it goes on, it says, as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Now I'm gonna give you quickly, we're gonna just run through what I believe is one way to look at three different types of believers and churches, okay? I don't wanna be overly negative by painting you or us into a specific category, but this is just one way to understand and, and it just to help us uh, get my point across this morning. Number one, three different types of believers and churches. Those that don't really yet know who they are or what they carry, right? Just leave that up for a minute. How many can say, maybe that, that you, you maybe feel that way now, like I don't know what I'm gifted for. I don't know what I'm created for. Maybe you feel like you're not equipped or not adequate. Can I just encourage you, the old cliche, God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. Let it just sink in your heart. And you, you might be looking at me and thinking, Pastor, you, you can't say that because you're gifted. Like you preach, you lead worship or whatever. Like you're a leader, you pastor a church. Listen, I know what it feels like, trust me, to feel completely inadequate and completely uneducated and completely uh, like literally calling myself dumb. I was second grade held back, tested for learning disabilities my entire life in school. I never graduated high school. I never got my GED. Many of you don't know this as part of my testimony. I had an awful memory. I had a second grade reading level when I was 17 years old. I got saved, and I remember I embarrassed myself in Bible study, and I'm reading the Bible like a first or second grader would. I remember one of the worst things that happened. I actually pronounced Gentile genital. And I didn't even know what a genital was. That's how uneducated I was. I had no idea what God created me to do. And then God blessed my memory, and God blessed who I was in the moment I set my heart on him. And I went from no education, no GED. I got a job at a resort. And then I, I start working for myself. I become an entrepreneur. My wife and I almost made a half a million dollars one year. Say favor. I know what it feels like to say, I don't know who I am or what I carry. And then God awakens something inside of you. And you have to know you have intrinsic value. You have to know that there's treasure in you. You have to know that there's things that you're passionate about that God wants you to awaken your gifts and your call and who you are. And I'm not just talking about gifts like to prophesy, not the gifts of the spirit. Some of it are intrinsic gifts that you're wired with. Entrepreneurs, business. Lee Johnson pastors hundreds of people in his business realm. Can I say that? Like we don't have to be on staff at a church to be shepherds of people. And God has gifted you, and some of us might fit into here in one time or another. I don't know who I am, and I don't know what I carry. Can I just say, you're a son or a daughter, you're a child of God, and you carry something holy. Say amen. amen. Number two, there are people that know who they are, and they walk in their gifts, right? You're thinking of yourself or someone else right now. There are people that like, man, they really walk in something. They encourage me. Like, they, they, when I'm around them, I feel loved. I feel the love of God. Well, I would say that some of us kind of know who we are, and we're walking in it. We're learning that. We're still discovering who we are. We're not fully there yet, right? <laughs> and, and I think that this is, this is really important to get, that God wants us all to walk in this. But before I went, go to the, the third one, Without being overly negative, I want to say that I unfortunately believe that number three is probably the majority. And number three is what I believe Paul's dealing with, with Timothy. And Paul's saying, Timothy, you got to know who you are. You can't be intimidated by people anymore. You, you can't think so little of yourself. You know, you're younger than some of these people and you're the apostle. You, you, you can't neglect the gift that's in you. You've got to come alive. I want you to stir that up. Don't, don't forget the faith your grandma had, your mom had. Don't forget when we laid hands on you. The, don't forget the prophecies that were spoken over you. Wage warfare over them, man. Water those seeds, Timothy. I love you like a son, Timothy. You're my son. We don't know where if his father was in his life. It's so powerful. Number three, 
those that do know their gifts, but neglect them. Paul brings this to the surface in his first letter to Timothy. That's why in the second letter, he says, I remind you to fan into flame. The first letter, chapter four, says, and I'm gonna just read through these verses real quick. Instruct and teach people all that I've taught you and don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. Simply be the example they need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do. Speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. Isn't that good? I'm receiving this, man. Verse 13, so until I come, be diligent in devouring the word of God. (laughs) Be faithful in prayer and in teaching the believers. Verse 14, don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life. The New King James, don't neglect the gift of God in you. Some of you, you know that you're gifted. You know that you're to be making disciples. And God's saying, don't wait anymore. Be discipled, be raised up. Get the spiritual DNA and come alive in your personality and your gifts so that you can do that also. It's time to rise up. He says, don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life. Man, how many times do we do that? Right? I'm looking at a bunch of leaders right now. Some of you know you're a leader. Some of you haven't stepped into it yet. Some of you maybe don't even know the influence that you have over people. The influence of love, the influence of preaching the gospel, the influence of making disciples. How many know that we are called to do this? He encourages them more. He says, remember, it was imparted to you by the laying on of my hands of the elders. It was activated through the prophecy they spoke over you. Listen, hear me. That you need to stay around the people, the leaders, the people that activate your spiritual DNA. That unlock who you are in Christ. Unlock. I think that's what impartation is sometimes. There's certain people I get around and it's like my heart just burns. When I read this, my son, when I read the, the original text we started with and I hear Paul, I'm reading Paul, I'm imagining his voice. Son, I remind you. Son, my beloved son. You know what I hear? I hear my dad's voice. I hear my spiritual father's voice, Larry Titus. And I hear the voices of those that have influenced my my spiritual DNA. And it's a reminder to me as a leader, hey, cut it out. Don't you know who you are? Hey, wake up. Walk in grace, walk in power. Be courageous. I'm, I'm discouraged. Stop that, be encouraged. Will you just, somebody pray for me? No, pray for yourself. Sometimes the Holy Spirit tells me that. Pray in tongues. All right. (laughs) It works. Those that seem impervious to discouragement, they've just learned how to encourage themselves. They're always encouraged. Why are you always encouraged? They've learned how to encourage themselves in the Lord. Amen. Paul is saying to his son, man, you're amazing. Remember that stuff that we prophesied over you? Verse 15, make all of this your constant meditation and make it real with your life so everyone can see that you're moving forward. Say, moving forward. Give careful attention to your spiritual life and every cherished truth you teach. For living what you preach will then release even more abundant life inside you and to all those who listen to you. Can I just say it to you? Let me just say it to all of us here, right? God, teach us not just to live what we preach, live what we're taught so that abundant life flows to everyone around us. Church, I'm encouraging you, don't neglect the gift that you are to this body and to the body of Christ. I compel you, I urge you, I beseech you. I gotta use a King James version right there. Come on, beseech. I urge you, give, serve, love, plug in, grow, flourish, be equipped, equip others. Don't wait. Don't belittle your gifts. Don't neglect the gift of God that's within you. Come alive. Come alive. Come alive. Come alive. Go and preach the gospel. Go, 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 go. Shatala Bahaya. Go. Can you feel the fire of God burning in your heart right now? I don't know about you, but I can. God, teach me to say yes 
so that I can run the race. Yes, we say yes. We say yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. Honey, you remember saying yes before we even started running? Some of you are like, I'm just waiting for direction. You can't steer a parked car. Just go. Start serving. Start giving. Start loving. It's time. It's time for who you are to be awakened, to come forth. You're a part of this church. You're a part of this body. We ask you to become an assembled army. Become assembled because God's raising up an army. And what happens in Vegas isn't just going to affect Vegas. It's going to touch the nations. I believe it, church. I really believe it. Michael, do you believe that? You saw that revival fire. God used you to release that revival fire. You need to talk to Miss Karen about being on the prayer team. You believe that? Well, shake the nations. Yeah. You're a treasure. I love you, man. You're awesome. You're awesome. Bless you. Bless you. Uh, our dear brother, Pastor Loy, pastors a church in Tondo in Manila in the Philippines. He, he urged Michael, he said, now you're in charge of bringing all the Filipinos in, the whole harvest into Encounter Church. <laughs> so I told Michael, I said, all right, we're going to double in size. So we're believing for like 300 or 400 Filipino families or people to come in. Come on. <laughs> That's a big responsibility. How many can just res- resonate with this word though? Hey, I don't want to sit on my gift. I don't want to, I don't want to be that, that, uh, that steward that didn't steward their time, their treasure, and their talents. What has God wired you for? It's time to come alive in your gift. Some of you are anointed to give. We've, ta- we've been talking about the harvest partner thing. Uh, we're asking people, partners, to give above and beyond their tithe and offering by just setting up a recurring giving of $25 a week. If you feel led to do that, there's more information in the foyer. And we just, we want to save. We want to build. We want to be able to buy a building as a church. Come on, wouldn't that be glorious? But there's favor on us. We're moving forward. And this is just a good reminder to fan into flame. So many times we want to be on fire for God. Then let's just, let's get this right here. Don't neglect the gift that's in you. One of the reasons we lose passion is because we don't allow our passion to come forth. Amen. Amen. Because we sit on it. We sit on the treasure. No more, no more, no more. I implore you, I urge you to rise up and to be a part of this assembled army. Again, I say, give, serve, love, plug in, grow, flourish, be equipped, equip others. Don't wait. Hello, don't wait. Come alive, come alive. Go, go, go. I literally have all that written down right there. I, uh, I want to say this. We have men's discipleship Monday nights and women's discipleship Thursday nights. We have Wednesday night service that's exploding. Chris texts me. He's like, there's almost 100 people here. This last Wednesday, God's moving. There's a genuine move of God. And God wants you to lead this precious community. Leaders are rising up. And we're asking you, don't neglect the gift that you are. Let's, let's plug in and do what God called us to do. How many can just say yes to that? Amen. Stand up with me real quick. Let me bless you. Then we're going to call our prayer team forth and dismiss you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to ask you to do something. I want to, uh, thank you, Lord. I'm just, I'm trying to listen and, and speak. Thank you, Lord. I want to, uh, I want to ask you to just, would you lift your hands with me? And if you have your prayer language, begin to pray in the spirit right now. Um, if you don't pray in tongues, it's okay. Just talk to him. Say, Lord, your kingdom come in my life. Or just say, Lord, I, I fan the flame of God in my heart. But if you pray in the spirit, I want you to lift up your prayer language. I mean, like, let it come forth. Cry out to God from your core right now. Just cry out. Just let it, give it a voice right now. I want to ask our prayer team and staff just to kind of set the tone for that right now. Come on, just let it roar, let it roar, let it rise, let it rise. Let's pray for, let's pray into this church. Come on. God's assembling us together. I saw a picture of the the valley of dry bones coming together and I just saw 
it was almost like the stage was people were already up. There was no more bones, but the army was being assembled in a line. People were lining up. There's an order, a reformation, a reformation. So Lord, right now, can we just pray for that? Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Assemble the army. Assemble the army. Assemble the nets for the harvest. You're giving us the harvest. Ronell saw a picture of like wrapped up wheat just bursting. Wow. An increase. The harvest that God's giving us is even bigger than we realize. So we say yes. And Lord, I pray right now that you would stir up the fire inside every one of these ministers, these leaders, these parishioners, these saints right now. Some of you have been holding on to ministries that aren't bearing fruit. Let the dead bury the dead and pick up what God's created you to do. It's time to step into the new season that God has for you. I want to release fire. I want to just for a moment, lift your hands up. If you just say, I want that fire reignited in me. I want you to lift up your hands and just say, I receive it. I receive fresh fire now. Father, I release, I impart right now to your people a fresh fire from heaven. Fire of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Passion. Passion for you. Passion for what you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I want you to pray in the Spirit. We're almost done. Just pray a little bit more. Say, yes, I receive it, God. Right now, I release that fresh fire over your people. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we receive it. We receive it now. We receive it now. We receive it now. We receive it now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. New, 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 new season, a new place of serving, a new way of serving, a new value system where we're not loving to serve because we're working up the totem pole of our position, but we're serving for the sake of love. We're foot washers. We're humble lovers that serve God. We thank you for the new. We thank you for the new, the upside down kingdom. The least is the greatest. So we lay low and we come and we say, give us your heart for people and teach us to be that army. We don't want to neglect the gifts that you've put in within us. We say yes. And we pray in Jesus' name. Would you shout out amen and then give God a shout of praise. Amen. Honey, would you come? Hope y'all were blessed. We love you. Bless you. My wife's going to dismiss you and call the prayer team up. Well, can you just say yes to the word of the Lord? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. So if our prayer team can come up, and if you need prayer for anything this morning, afternoon, uh, we just invite you to come find one of these amazing prayer team members. And if it's your first time, please stop at our Engage Banner on your way out. We love you. Be blessed. You're dismissed. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you next week.